Here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. Well, good morning, good morning, and welcome back to our number two here on a Wednesday morning. And as you know, the last Wednesday of every month is the day we have let the sawdust fly with Pete Wood and the fine folks from the lumber and trucking industry. And uh, Pete, is it true, uh, Pete Woods, is it true that you have sawdust in your underwear? Ah, uh, summertime, you can get sawdust everywhere, folks. I mean, literally <laughs> everywhere. You better clean off before you go in the house because you'll be a little bit of sawdust. Yeah, you could say, yes, it does happen. Yeah, yeah it does happen. <laughs> well, you you have with you today, and it's, it's great. He's been with us before. Yep. He's always uh, fun to have on. And, and that's uh, Henry Scheinbeck who is uh, with the uh, Great Lakes Timber Produ- Producers Association. Yep. And I know you guys want to talk a little bit about the upcoming uh, uh, equipment show that's going to be going on, and we'll certainly do that. Yes. But can we start off talking a little bit about this big fire, this Greenwood fire that's going up around Ely? Yep. What's the latest on that? Uh, I'm, I'm you have gla- any insight? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Brad, because uh, I talked to Henry on the way down, and I'm I'm deviating a little bit from where I really was going a, a week ago with Henry on this because I found it so important what's going on up between Ely and Silver Bay and all over by Isabella kind of area. And this this fire that's going on, I've been talking to some of the loggers a little bit, and I, I, I'm not going to use names because I don't know if I have permission or not because right. I, I want to just protect who's telling me stuff. But, folks, uh, I'm talking to loggers, and we got uh, also on the line Mike Forsman, Jr. from Ely, who's our new executive director for Associated Contract yeah. Loggers and Truckers out of Minnesota. Congratulations, by the way, yeah. Mr. Forsman. So, oh, thanks. You're there, Mike? Yeah, I am. Okay, gotcha, gotcha here. And um, what's going on there, folks, is this fire is getting so – it's getting bigger and bigger. Just overnight, I think it was – around 9,000 acres, and now went to, I think yesterday, went to 19,000 acres. So it doubled in one day, and it's starting to increase more and more and more, and it becomes a concern. And Duluth area here got a little taste of what it looks like if if the wind changes direction just a little bit. You know how it got smoky in that pretty good? Yeah, it it was a bit, and um, but that's just a little taste of what can happen. And a big concern I have right now, folks, is if this thing changes the directions in the right direction, that can do a lot of devastation because you have a lot of dead balsam, dead evergreens in certain areas that are between Duluth and that fire. And it's even I've up in the Palo Markham area. I'm starting to notice that the evergreens are starting to turn a little bit of taint to different uh, color. Yeah. It isn't just because of the drought. It's because they're getting towards the end of their life or they got bug infestation, that kind of stuff. So that becomes a, another fuel load. And I get very concerned about that because fire needs three things. It needs fuel, oxygen, and light on fire. And then once so it guys, gets going. Guys, I don't know which one of you want want maybe want to address it, but... This parched vegetation that they talk about in the paper today, uh, that's because of, you know, because of a number of things, but because of the dry conditions, we've had really a lack of moisture up in those areas. Even yesterday, while there was overcast, didn't get hardly any rain up in those areas. 
So this creates a tinderbox effect, does it not? Yep. On that real quick, I've talked to loggers up there about it, and we're dry where we're at. We're very dry. But up there they say it's a different dryness. They haven't gotten any in. They say walking through the forest floor under their feet, the logger saying it, it sounds different. It's a different crunch to it, a different yeah. noise because it's so severe dry. Mike, can you hit on that a little bit on that? Yeah, I mean, all summer long, pretty much every storm coming in from the west has just dissipated before it's gotten over to this side. And yeah. uh, I don't think the conditions have been like this. I think they're referencing sometime in the 80s. There was a period that we were this dry, but yeah, the swamps are even dry. For most part, you know that's what the, another story that I saw even in the Minneapolis paper this morning. They showed some farmers up in those areas that grow small crops, and and they were talking about how they couldn't even get any moisture because most of the ponds that they take water off of to uh, water their flowers and their gardens and stuff don't even exist. They've dried up completely. Yeah, and then Boy. you combine these conditions with, I mean, we've been hit on the northeast up here so bad since the 50s with the spruce budworm, which just attacks the spruce, but more than that, in fact, the balsam, and and with all that, and no biomass market to to keep this thinned and cleared, and you you got a perfect storm with all the blowdowns and everything else that's combined with this drought. Well, this is, uh, and, and of course, they talk about this in this story. They talk about this primorculus uh, uh, clouds or something. It's like a, what they call it a fire cloud. Is this something that the, that the heat and the fire create its own, uh, almost like a cyclone or something? Yeah, on that, I talked to Log up there, um, and he, he said he's about within two miles of the fire. And he says, it's a bit of a weird feeling. He said, you'll be standing there, and all of a sudden, the fire actually is sucking oxygen towards itself, and you can feel the wind of oxygen going right by you, going towards wow. the fire. He said, it's really weird. He does, he's never really felt it. And the, the fire will, it's like a chimney, and it's pulling that oxygen. It's got the fuel now. It's pulling oxygen, pulling, 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 and it will shoot up, and that, that stuff will go... He said you can see debris going in the air. You can see stuff. It looks like where he could actually see where, yeah, it could create its own lightning, its own thunderstorm. And the stuff goes like, uh, he said, 25, 30 miles, but I, meant, I think he meant 25, 30,000 feet. And then when that yeah. stuff comes down, he says it comes down at like 100 miles an hour. I don't know how it Whoa. does it, but he says that it's creating its own storm. So that stuff is shooting down so fast that uh, that's, that's where you can get more problems. And there's a bunch of loggers up there trying to do what they can, and it took a little time because when you get the feds or state coming in, they're going to have their own thoughts and own ideas, and they're going to try and project their own what they think should be done, and they're trying to tell loggers what to do, and the loggers know what to do. These right. are guys, these are professionals. They're running, you know, three hundred to five hundred thousand, six hundred thousand dollar machines, and they're not going to put something in there that doesn't know what they're doing. They're going to be in there, and they're going to they're, they're going to know what to do. And so yeah. they're, 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 once they've seen that the loggers really know what to do, they're just giving them guidelines and letting them go at it. And you're, they're trying to do is the loggers are trying to do in a short amount of time is remove the fuel load that can cause more fire yet. Is it, is it mainly a situation, guys, of trying to create fire breaks, cutting areas where, where the fire can't get access to fuel or is it a combination of things? Uh, um, what what they do? They say they're cutting 
along like county roads like one and two, they're paved roads. And so you got the road already, there's a bit of a fire break, but then you cut it on both sides and make it a bigger fire break. And some of those stretches are like 10 miles long. You're trying to get rid of, get, get the trees out of the way, remove the fuel load. Well, okay. you're, you're doing what you can. Um, but if that keeps going stronger and stronger, it'll jump that like nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, Hope, you want to hit on that mic a little bit? Well, yeah, I mean, they can do, all we can do is what, try to, try to contain it a little bit. But the problem is that we, this fire is going to go out eventually. Now, where it ends, we don't know. But the problem is that after the fire goes out, everybody forgets. So when we go back to normal. Well, the fuel is still in the, and the problem still exists that a fire is going to come. We need to keep acting to reduce this fuel load after this fire is over in these areas so we don't have these in the future but everybody seems to stop you know thinking about it after the fire's out but that fuel is there and is going to be there until we start managing the forest better and removing that fuel load especially the dead dead wood out there which there's a lot yeah, of wh- what is the best way guys to deal with that isn't there some way to make that dead wood that's down on the ground available for people to use in their home fireplaces or is that just too big a uh too big a, a job to create uh, you, and collect you, all that you couldn't uh, financially do it to put it into like a briquette style or something like that it's yeah. it's too massive you you need something because you take a normal chip van that's hauling a load of chips of biomass, usually around 120 to 130 yards per truck. You know, there's sure. a fair amount of volume in there, and it's dry, and it becomes financially difficult to do. Uh, you know, so what we need mostly is markets for it, and Correct. then we can get the cleanup. I think what could be done immediately, you know, real fast here is uh, like Congressman Stauber. I know he listens in that is to see what he can do to help out the Forest Service or help out the local area in what they can do right now. But the long-term thing is we need the better markets to clean this up. Otherwise, this is going to reoccur. It's not, just like Mike said, once it's gone, everybody forgets it. But uh, it'll come back. And, and that's the key, like you said. So we, we need to develop and entice a biomass market so we have a market for all this waste biomass and to chip it and and to haul it so that makes it cost effective until there's a market unless you're paying taxpayer dollars to go out and do it um you know it's not going to happen uh mike uh mike forsman that uh the whole area up there i understand now the bwca has been closed again and that has that has a tremendous impact on that whole area the ely area as well as a lot of other areas up there doesn't it yeah, it's not good. I mean, uh, I think they, most most people have pulled out for the year because um, they don't. I don't. No, no re- idea when this is going to open back up. Obviously, for the B Dub, but I think most most of the outfitters have kind of shut down as far as that because people have pulled out. Uh, I have heard that actually a lot of people are shifting to a winter trip, which is uh, it might help out on the on the dead season up here that you know get some money in during that period. Sure. Well, that makes sense. So you can do some ice fishing or whatever in that area. Yeah. As no, long as there's water in the lakes. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. well and, you know, can we talk about this? Because somebody asked me that the other day. They said, well, you, you know, well, what is the best thing to do if you're caught 
uh, you're camping or something, and you're caught in this wind shifts, and all of a sudden this fire's all over you. And I said, well, I'm not the guy to ask, but I got a couple guys that could. How can you, what's the best way to protect yourself? I'm sure if you've got water available, maybe is it to get in the water or is that a risk as well? Um, you can you can get in the, the best thing you can do is get in the water if you don't believe you can make it. But what becomes a major problem is the oxygen is you can actually, the fire can pull, like the logger was saying, you can feel the oxygen going by you. It can remove it so much that you'll die from no oxygen. So if if you're very concerned about this in certain areas, the best thing is get out while you got plenty of time to get out. And the problem is that also, like you mentioned, is that when that wind shifts and it's coming, pushing the fire your way, is that the smoke will envelop you and there's no oxygen in that either. And you could get, you know, sure. and you can, and visibility can go to zero immediately. And then you, now you don't know where you're at even. So you better know what you're doing when you're doing these things. <laughs> Boy, no kidding. Well, listen, guys, we've got to uh, take our first break here. Uh, Maybe when we come back, we can talk a little bit lighter stuff, Uh, maybe talk a little bit about the uh, impact of the upcoming equipment show and some of those things, whatever you'd like to talk about, Pete. But we're going to have to take our... uh, our first break here of this. Uh, This helps keep us on the air. Uh, So we'll be back right after this uh, first break here of our number two. Listen on your Echo device. Just say something like this. Alexa, play WDSM radio. Lush, the fur, the mighty Scots pine, the smell of fresh cut timber, the crash of mighty trees. With my best girl by my side, We'd sing, sing, sing. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I work all day. He's a lumberjack and he's okay. He sleeps all night and he works all day. I cut down trees, I eat my lunch, I go to the lavatory. On Wednesday I go shopping and have buttered scones for tea. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Go to the laboratory, hey, Peter? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Sawdust everywhere. Sawdust everywhere. Oh, you know where I've been when you see the sawdust trail. But, uh, say, well, uh, say, Peter, maybe you want to uh, reintroduce your uh, two guests, uh, Henry and Mark and Mike, because uh, some people may not remember who they are or what they do. Yep. Um, maybe just uh, give them a little background on them. Yeah, Mike, uh, Mike Forsman Jr. is out of Ely. He's our new executive director of American uh, Associated Contract Lockers and Truckers of Minnesota. And he just came on board here. Scott Dane went to the next level. He is now at the American Loggers Council. That's national. And we also have on the phone is Henry Schenebeck out of Wisconsin Great Lakes Timber Producers Association who has a logging show coming up uh, next month. Uh, over in Escanaba, Michigan. And, folks, if you want to see modern equipment and the, one of the biggest shows in the upper Midwest, it's in Escanaba in a couple of weeks. It's uh, it's a little bit of a drive. We're trying to get a little lighthearted after the we were talking all the doomsday stuff earlier this this hour. But uh, it's uh, some of the things that need to get out so people can understand how, how critical and how important and what's going on there so that we could avoid this if we manage the forest a little bit more. It can be done. Yeah. but. But Henry, he's here now. And Henry, are you there? We'd like to talk about the, the, the new show, the show that's coming up. And it's one of the biggest ones in the upper Midwest. And if you want to see logging equipment, this is the place to go. Anywhere from, well, it's all brand new there, isn't it, Henry? 
Yeah, we, 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 we do have a few people, Pete, that bring some stuff in and, and, uh, you know, we have a used equipment lot there for guys that want to maybe get rid of a piece of equipment or something like that and really get exposed. But, uh, yeah, anyways, uh, good morning to you guys, uh, Brad, Kenny, and, uh, Mike. Good morning. Good to, good to be with you guys again. Well, and Henry, you know, you might want to mention logging is, you know, a lot of people that listen to this show that maybe don't know anything about logging, they just think you guys go out into the woods with a chainsaw and that's all there is to logging. But there's a whole lot more equipment involved in a real professional logging operation than a chainsaw, isn't there? Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it, it starts with a plan. Well, for, you know, you got to have trees, right? <laughs> and it right. starts with a plan. Everything is planned. Uh, nobody's just doing anything willy-nilly here, and, and you got to have professionally trained people. And, uh, you know, we do that training. We do SFI training. We do all kinds of logger training. These guys are really well-versed in, in endangered species, invasive species, best management practices for water quality, uh, timber types, timber harvesting uh, operations, that type of thing. And Really, what the uh, what the logging expo does is it really highlights the equipment that's out there, the new technology. Um, it, it's a, it, like Pete said, it's a, it's a huge show. Uh, we've been doing it. This is actually our 75th anniversary show uh, that wow. we've been doing this, and uh, there we have about 170 exhibitors, uh, 300 uh, booth spaces they take up, and it's anything from the large equipment to trucks to competitions, a lot of competitions going on, um, you know, wood splitters, chainsaws, you name it. If it's got something to do with forestry, you can talk to foresters. We have uh, state police there. You know, guys have questions about different things. We have uh, DNR there. We have educational uh, organizations there. I mean, it, it's just anything that's got something to do with forestry, uh, they're, at, they're at this show. Well, Peter, um, maybe you want to talk a little bit or mention, because uh, a lot of people think that uh, that loggers and uh, and Mother Nature are in opposition to each other. And if things are done right, they don't have to be, do they? I mean, actually, logging is the is the easiest way to make sure that you don't have these big forest fires right. uh, grow like you've got going up there right now. You know, when a fire gets really hot, a lot of times it's how society teaches. And through, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you start to realize that how important the timber industry is. And hopefully that expands more and more for more people to understand that. Um, like I've said in the past, if fires get so hot, it'll burn actually the topsoil, the root mass, everything right down to kind of like barren ground. And it takes a long, yeah. long time for that to ever come back around. So, but if you cut it off, the the root system is still there, the stump is still there, vegetation is still there, and we basically loggers either coming back from natural regeneration or uh, plantation planting. We plant more trees than anybody, and uh, you'll get uh, agencies planting trees. And a young, healthy forest is way harder to get going in a forest fire than an old, burnt, dead one. Not a burnt one, but one that's yes. got all this vegetation that's pretty much end of its life. And it gets really old and brittle and starts to burn real easy. 
So with with the new equipment like what's going to be over in Escanaba that keeps your production up so you can keep it going because like in Minnesota and Wisconsin we have lost some mills and but the the trees are still growing at the same rate no matter what. Well that's yeah. all either used for human consumption or it ends up burning like it is now up up north. Yeah, I was going to ask you, maybe you can talk a little bit, not again about the show, but also about how your mill cooperative is, is working out. Well, we're, we're going we're gonna to know some decisions here in, a, in another uh, about a week and a half. Okay. And, uh, you know, we're going to learn a little bit more about the fate of the Park Falls Mill in Wisconsin Rapids. That's pretty much, uh, uh, excuse the pun, but radio silent there. They're, they've had a... a <laughs> Very large offer to uh, uh, purchase all of the company, and I believe that uh, Versal's actually put a committee together to examine that offer. So, um, you know, we're just going to have to wait and see where that goes. But, uh, you know, Park Balls is uh, going through some tough times there, went into receivership, and, and um, you know, so we're just kind of in a wait and see mode there but uh, we are definitely planning and moving ahead there and we'll just have to wait and see in the next week and a half where that goes and uh right but it, it, you know and I, I just wanted to touch bases a little bit on on something that pete brought up I, i've been involved with uh pete for a while now and in, in, with your program and and uh bless you for doing it and uh, you know i remember pete talking about these uh, fires out west and everything, and I can't help but think about here we are in Minnesota right now in this kind of kind of the same situation in that area. You, you simply cannot have a healthy forest without a healthy forest industry. The two go hand in hand, and uh, you know people use the products every day, and so it's really important I think to make that to make that uh, connection that just one cannot exist without the other, and it. Just having more industry coming in to have some place to go with what we're growing is just so vastly important. And for people to understand that right now with that fire, I, I, I'd rather see that wood go into a good use rather than going up in smoke. I mean, my goodness, uh, oh, you know, when, when we're doing forest management, we don't have to worry about our health so much with, with all the smoke and everything, right? Well, we seem to get that here in Minnesota to some degree. But you're absolutely right. Out in California, it's like out out there in California and Oregon and Washington, every year they have these massive forest fires. And every year they end up saying the same thing. Oh, if we had just managed the forest a little bit better, if we had roads into there where we could have got fire suppression equipment in there or if we'd have had uh, cleared off access areas maybe areas where there hadn't been an abundance of downed trees we'd be better off and yet they still don't seem to do anything about coming up with that answer i totally agree with you Brad, and, and actually, you know, I, I guess another point here, I, I know we're off the show topic a little bit, but this is this is just so important. So, like, the loggers are really held responsible for everything they do in the woods. Uh, yeah. they, they need to know all these things about invasive species and endangered species and wildlife habitat, and and I, I don't think there's any better conservationist other than the guys that do on-the-ground work. And in thinking about that, so there, there have been a lot of lawsuits that the Forest Service has had to deal with and, and 
other landowner agencies, and it's like, you know, it seems to be a little bit of inequity here. If the loggers are really held responsible for everything they do, shouldn't there be some responsibility the other way where, where forest management is stopped to the point where it has this long-term impact on the forest? I mean, yeah. I can't imagine how many years it's going to take to grow those trees back and clean the water up because the ash is going to go somewhere. It all goes downhill and it's going to run into a stream oh. or a lake eventually. So uh, yep. just just a point that I think is really important to make. That's a very good well, guys, point. Hold, hold your thought for just a moment. we got to take our Fox News break at the bottom of the hour. As you know, we are commercial radio. Uh, but maybe we can talk a little bit more about that. What is the you know, how can we get action from our politicians, from our uh, from DNRs and places like that? Like I say, we do a little bit better job, it seems like, in Minnesota. But sometimes we still don't do a good job of uh, making access for for uh, getting rid of these fires. I remember the Boundary Waters blow down years ago. We just let that whole thing rot for years and years and years. But we'll be right back after Fox News. Your Twin Ports home for the Wild. Puts it down they score! WTSM. Yes, Northlanders, the old woodchopper's ball uh, to signify that we're uh, on with uh, the fine folks from the logging industry. Before we get back to Peter, though, I want to just remind everybody that if you have a motorcycle and you would love to spend some time with a lot of great people riding motorcycles, Cast Iron Bar and Grill every Tuesday has two-wheel night at the Cast Iron Bar and Grill. Every Tuesday night, they've got $4.25, 20-ounce Miller Taps. they got smash burgers and brats for $8 each week, along with prizes from Burnix, RJ Sports and Cycle, Stokey's Meat Market, The Last Chance uh, last uh, the last cast iron barn grill bike night is next Tuesday from six to eight. So get up there, rain or shine. Huge prizes to give away, including Viking tickets. And don't forget tonight at the cast iron barn grill DJ trivia. It's a great fun time, great chance for you to win some prizes. If you go to their Facebook page, you can see their weekly band schedules. Cast Iron Bar and Grill off of Miller Trunk Highway in Pike Lake. It's a great place to socialize, and they've also got extremely good food. So uh, anyway, here we are. We're back with uh, Peter Woods and his guests. Peter, you want to talk a little bit more about uh, some of the things uh, regarding fire and how to suppress them, and uh, and maybe yeah. a little more about your upcoming show that you got going on over in Michigan as well. Yeah, real quick, uh, Kenny was asking me what can you do with you know after a fire goes through. Well, some of the some of the well the vegetation's gone, but there's still summertime still saw logs there. You get the bigger wood, uh, the bowl, and you get like a two foot diameter tree, and it's kind of like throwing wood into your furnace. One stick by itself won't burn. But you got to have two or three there to build heat among itself. So you get a tree there, and it's still harvestable. But what happens is uh, you cannot take that to a paper mill you, because one little speck of uh, burnt wood, they will, it will ruin their whole – it will stick with the 
It'll stay with it through the process, and it'll ruin that whole roll of paper. So they cannot take any burnt wood at all, none. But you can make saw logs out of the nicer wood. You can do that. But the problem is, is that outside of that bark is all full of soot and black. You got to get that cleaned off. Otherwise, when that thing goes through a sawmill, that black goes through, and your lumber is going to be blackened. So that becomes an issue there. But it can be still used. But some of the new equipment, like what Henry's going to have over there, is so nice. It's almost futuristic some of the time that I sat in one processor a few years ago, and I counted like 40-some buttons in that thing. I mean, it's like, this is ridiculous. I'm used to just a few controls, and there's that much. I mean, it was unreal. Can you elaborate on that, Henry? Some of the machines and the sawmills, and it's all different makes and types, and there's sawmills that can be pulled with a pickup. But there's some machines that are eight hundred thousand dollars too. Oh yeah, there's <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a wide variety of prices there. And Peter's right, the the technology is just unbelievable. And uh, it, you know, I mean, I'm kind of waiting. I'm kind of waiting. I've looked at some of these things online, but there are truck loaders that you can sit in the cab with headset on. You know, like you're playing a video game. You don't even get out of the truck. It's got cameras, and you load the wood sitting in your truck just like you're sitting outside in the cold weather. And uh, the technology is just unbelievable. But, yeah, there's all kinds of demonstrations going on. There's actually uh, a forwarder competition going on uh, that uh, Komatsu puts on. We're very happy to have that there. There's a Lincoln Log competition uh, with a barco loader that's there. Uh, you know, kind of build a Lincoln log, and it's skill based on time and everything. And, uh, you know, we've got the ladies' bowling pin toss. We've got the tug-of-war between Michigan and Wisconsin. We've got industry show loads this year. So if you got a nice truck and, and uh, you got a nice show load, there's $500 first place for that. And uh, those trucks get inspected by, by both uh, uh, Michigan, Wisconsin State Patrol, and Motor Carriers Association. So... Uh, we got that on. We got. I think we have um, a, a log load, a pulpwood load, a lumber load, an equipment load. You know, to make sure that uh, you know guys come with their best and, and have them tied down properly and all that type of thing. So they're just uh, a lot of fun. There's social media contests. There's coloring contests for the kids. Um, it's just just uh, we we call it a logger's holiday, right? I mean, people just come to have a good time. Got the president's kickoff party, uh, great dinner for that, and everything planned. So it, it goes on uh, from September 9th through the 11th, and uh, never a dull moment. There, there's something to do every minute of the day. The loader sounds interesting to me that you can actually stay in the cab of the truck and run the loader that's on the loader that's on the truck. Did you say that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I just watched a video of it there last night, and you know, they put a headset on. Uh, you know, like you're doing one of these reality exercise games and the guy's sitting in the truck and he's running the loader and looking around just like he's making his loader move. It's just unbelievable. And that, you know, I used to, I used to sit out there, Pete, when it was 20 below with a snowmobile helmet on because it was so cold and the breeze was coming across the field loading yeah. up a load of wood. I mean, you remember the days when your hot hydraulic oil was so stiff oh. by the time it got warmed up, you were done loading. Yes, and, and you can sit in the cab. I used to think about that back in the early '80s. Boy, wouldn't it be nice to sit in the cab and load this thing up? And here we are. That technology is now now becoming available. Is there going to be one there of that style? I, I 
I know the loader brand is going to be there. I don't know if he's going to have that technology there yet, but it was uh, it was the company that that's coming to the show, and I, I know they're going to be loading some wood around there. So I got to check um, that out. I, it, I didn't know it was be there. Exciting, man. Brad, you'll have to go to Escanaba, Brad, and see what that's like. Well, I was going to say, what is the date of the show again? This sounds like a great time. This is September. It opens at noon on September 9th. It runs through 1 o'clock on September 11th. Uh, it's only 10 bucks to get in, and that covers all three days. Uh, you know, you can kind of come and go as you please. You get your wristband on. And uh, we have the president's kickoff party uh, when the show closes, and that runs from 5 till 9 uh, really good Croatian chicken dinner with dessert, and I mean uh, the, the Elmers that does that for us. They 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 set records feeding everybody because you know there'll oh. be probably 600 people there, and uh, because it's our 75th, we do have a live band and fireworks. Uh, a lot of a lot of cool things going on. This is our 75th anniversary show, which actually should have happened last year, but hey. Just like everything else that got canceled, so we're just uh, going all out this year. Well, guys, it sounds like a great time. That Croatian chicken dinner sounds wonderful. That really sounds great. And then also, I Uh, forgot almost about this, Brad. There's also, I don't know if he's going to be back, but two years ago there was a guy, Cuban guy there making Cuban cigars right there. If you wanted them, and he was handing them out. I think McCoy Construction did that, and they, I think he got them for free. So it might entice people. It might be worth a drive. I don't know if he's going to be there again this time, but you get a free Cuban cigar right there. And the, the guy was a great wow. guy to talk to and everything, and you could tell he, he was having a blast, but he was actually came up from, I think, Florida or something like that. I'm not sure, but he was there. Could be. Cuban yeah, cigars yeah. right there. Yes. And a lot, of the, a lot of the vendors come, and they do special things, so... Uh, you know, we're we're very involved in Log a Load for Kids program, and, and a lot of the vendors like to help us raise money for that. And sure. so, like, they had an axe-throwing competition last year. Uh, uh, I, I unfortunately only hit the block once with the axe in the right position. So, you know, but, hey, uh, there's just the, the fun never ends, man. You can try your skills at just about everything and, and have a great time doing it and raise money for a good cause as well. Well, guys, I want to thank you again for being on the show this morning. Mike Forsman, you got a big job uh, to fill. Uh, I hope we can have you back on again soon to talk about what you see as the uh, needs for uh, the logging industry up here in uh, in Minnesota. Uh, but you're going to be a big part of that for years to come, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, Pete, thank you so much. Uh, uh, Henry, I want to question one word you said earlier. You you said that uh, Verso has had an offer to buy its entire operation. Does that include the plant out here in West Duluth? I don't know if it includes that one. It's my understanding that one's actually uh, been sold, from what I read, to a right. company called ST Paper. Yeah. Uh, but okay. They- they do have they do have plants in uh, Quinnipiac, Michigan, and Escanaba, Michigan, yet, and okay. uh, they're pretty good sized mills. So Atlas, Atlas Holdings, actually, according to the uh, press release, is the group that made the offer to buy the entire operation. So we'll just have wow. to wait and see where it goes. Yep, that's right. The paper mill in Duluth is owned by somebody else now. Yes. Okay. Yep. So it will be back in operation with a different function. Uh, I've heard toilet paper and paper towels and things. Tissue which paper, that kind of stuff. Probably has a better yeah. market. 
But yep. they're not going to be buying wood there. They're not. It's going to be wood, not wood, but uh, paper, waste paper, recycled paper. But they're going to still have to buy some open market pulp or something from somewhere because okay. all those ligaments and everything hook up to keep the paper from falling apart, I guess you could say. Sure, you know. sure. Well, again, thank you, guys. We've got to go to our Wisconsin news break. Uh, Peter, always a pleasure to have you on. You've got such great guests. Uh, Mike, thank you uh, for your interest in the wood industry and being a big part of it for years to come. And Henry, have a great show over there, and uh, we'll be back with all of you. Thank you. Uh, But we're going to go to Wisconsin news. Kenny, thank you so much for posting that uh, surveillance uh, video of that uh, home that on Mac- on McDougal Lake Lake yesterday. Amazing! Footage. Oh yeah, yeah, we, that's on our we Facebook were page. About, yep. Yeah, we were talking about that uh, with the loggers, but boy, you want to see how the air can be sucked out of a storm fast or be blown back in fast. This was a, in fact, this was, uh, I think, Pat. Prochaska's cabin, uh, which was on the southern lake in uh, McDougal's chain. And uh, actually, the cabin was spared. There was a a temperature sensor on the cabin that read 165 degrees. Uh, They had uh, no damage to the cabin other than some melted siding. But the rest of the cabin was spared. But boy, When you see this video on our WDSM Facebook page, you'll wonder how anything uh, was spared through that. Well, Northlanders, uh, again, a great segment with our loggers. So many things happening. It's good to hear that there is going to be a functioning facility down in that West Duluth paper mill uh, within a, a very short period of time. With a new uh, uh, with a new project, a new uh, reason to produce paper, and uh, hopefully that will be here for years and years to come. We wish them the best with their trade show, and we will be back to bring you up to date on everything else that's happening throughout the country and the world when we come back with our number three here on a Wednesday morning, shortly on Sound Off seven ten WDSM and ninety eight point one FM. So get some coffee and we'll be right back. The Talk of the North. 